put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. Plus a little witchy shit. Welcome to Hex Rated. I'm Lily. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Jay. And we're coming at you from three different houses because everyone should be social distancing. Don't go visit your friends. Yes, we are all apart from one another and we'll see how this works. It should work seamlessly because we're all on good mics and we are listening to each other via a video conference. I mean, physically apart, but spiritually, emotionally together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to at least see y'all's faces on the phone because I haven't seen faces in a while. <laughs> well, your face is not on the screen and Lily is upside down, but you know. Well, you're upside down. You're upside down. You're upside down. Well, I see beautiful chins right now. Yeah. <laughs> multiple, multiple, because we're going good angle here. Very flattering angle. All right. What's the plan for tonight, ladies? Anything new going on with y'all? Just being at home for two weeks so far. Have you started teaching from home? Um, no, not exactly. Next week is when, I mean, technically I'm working, but my district is still figuring everything out that needs to get figured out. And it's like logistically, it's a nightmare. So we don't start, the teachers don't start actually needing our own lessons until next week. So Monday, I'm going to start. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Everything is pretty much the same here, except I can't go out for like tea or food with people, which is mm-hmm. my usual routine. But we might be closing up the office. Um, we're waiting on the announcement uh, from the mayor because I'm in a different mm-hmm. county and city than everyone else. We're all in different counties. So spread out. Yeah, spread it. Spreading it all over DFW. I'm just, uh, like, I was already working from home and have worked from home for about six years now, maybe seven, six or seven years now. So this has already been something that I've sort of done, but now I don't have that release that I usually have of, like, I get my social outing. Um, so that's been, been weird of adjusting to not having that one outing of the weekend or anything like that. So now it's hard to tell when my work day ends and when my weekend begins, just because I'm just basically at work all the time now because I work from home normally. I do feel like I'm being more productive, even though my amount of free time is pretty much the same, just because everybody else is like being all crafty on social media and like talking about things that they're trying or doing or cooking or whatever so um it has created a false sense of of urgency to do shit yeah i think it makes the days feel longer too because it's not mixed up with having to drive somewhere or go somewhere or do like these other things so it makes the days feel longer so you're like i can get a lot more cleaning done or um, I got a lot more loads of laundry done than I normally do in one week. Not me. I did my laundry last <laughs> week and it's still in the basket in the laundry room. I have not put it away because I don't need to wear clothes to leave the house. <laughs> That's really. true. Yeah. I'm going through a lot well, more tops me... than I am bottoms because I can wear pajamas on video <laughs> calls for work, but I just have to put on like a dress shirt. And uh, nobody knows. So that's all I'm having to basically wash all week. <laughs> I'm just picturing you meaning that you're just not wearing pants at all. So you're just porky pig in mm-hmm. it on Zoom. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Six, so what are we six. talking about today, you guys? Patron deities. What are they? How do you get them? Do you need it? Gonna answer all sorts of questions for you as per usual. Okay, well, why don't we start at the top, just kind of round robin it? Uh, how how did you first uh, read about or discover or I mean introduce us to your patron deity if you have one? Jay, go. Oh, um, well, I mean, in the beginning, I kind of like I started out basically working with Sekhmet just because that's kind of what I I I guess looking and exploring wise. 
I guess she interested me just because I've, I've always been into Catwoman and, like, this kind of fierce, badass, um, like, sensual woman um, that takes no shit kind of thing. So I thought, you know, like, that would be a good one to work with. And I had already been looking into her and uh, learning about her because we uh, called on her in our vengeance and ritual we did a while back of like ritual for vengeance and justice. So I just, I had started an altar for her and started working with her. I went and saw an amazing exhibit at the Dallas Museum of Art where they had a ton of sculptures um, from different Egyptian goddesses and gods that were pretty awesome. So just learning more about her. She's also been kind of like, in that way, kind of like a cat itself of just like, I never really felt like she was like, you are mine. It was more like a cool, whatevs, like kind mm -hmm. of a, a working with her where I didn't feel like it was wrong. It was just like, it was kind of like working with a cat in a way of just like, I'm here and you know, you're all right, kind of a thing. But it wasn't like, <laughs> that was my, my jam. Like, mm -hmm. and then PantheaCon is when I met the Morgan and I was just like, oh shit, like, this is not, this was one that chose me and not one where I was like, I might try this and see like if she likes me. Like it was like, she was like, show the fuck up. And I was like, yes, ma'am. So it was kind of a different experience of where I was just like, oh shit. Like, so this is what it feels like to really like have a connection with a god or goddess that really like is like, no, you, where, where the fuck have you been? Like you need to show the fuck up and you're gonna do the work. Did you know a lot about her before that? Or, I mean, I assume that you had heard her name and, and knew that she was Celtic, but had, had you ever really researched her at all before that? No, I mean, I knew I knew about her. I knew enough, like, just from, like, studying just general goddesses and uh, gods, like, for our rituals and stuff like that. But I didn't know, like, I hadn't, like, studied, like, intensely into her. And she was not who I expected in the ritual to come to me because it was a... a journey to the uh, like underworld and seeing what dark goddess would come to you from like what underworld goddess would come to you and I assumed it was going to be like Hecate just because I knew a lot more about her so I was just like okay cool and that's not who showed up like that's why I was like I probably am going to end up working with her because I'm more familiar and then that's not what happened and then it was just this like blown away of her just being like this is fucking it you're showing the fuck up bare your teeth stand your ground and do the work and then i took a little while to see her again the next time i so sh like showed up where she was just like what the fuck are you doing like you need to do the work sitting you on your ass yeah she was like do the work show up don't be afraid uh just because i think i just dug my heels in a little bit because i felt like i hadn't earned the right to work with her and i learned that that's not <laughs> That at least she told me, like, that's not how it fucking works. Like, you do the work to learn and to get there. Like, it didn't matter that I was, like, a perfect student about all, like, the Celtic, like, deities and everything. Like, it didn't matter. Like, just show up and do the work is what she kept telling me where it was like, okay, yes, ma'am. Like, show up to battle, you know, don't be scared to try something new and don't back down and... I don't know. It, it was an amazing experience and I've continued working with her and I like, I feel her just in my everyday life too of whenever I'll hear like, I feel like I hear whispers sometimes where it's just like, don't back down. And I'm like, oh yes. Okay. Um, where I just, I can feel her like, I say smile. It's not like a smile smile. It's more like a, like, uh, just of, a I don't know, like not an evil grin, but just kind of just a, like, I don't know, of just like, yes, like, this is not the end of this. Like, you get to, like, stand up and you get to fight. Like, be cunning and be brave. Um, just because I learned she's not just, like, a, like, blood and gore, like, fight of war kind of person. She's also about, like, being cunning and being clever. So, like, learning to work with that in, like, everything I do, whether it's just, like, you know, how I handle things at work of not letting someone back me down because I'm the nice boss or and try to like work their way around me um, or to things in jujitsu because jujitsu in the beginning I would use my strength and then I learned I need to be more like cunning and clever and use my wits about me like when I'm going into it to outsmart my opponent and I don't know I've just 
I have felt her in different ways, like, through my life now. And I think once I got past that hesitation of feeling like I needed to earn it, and then just, you know, just working where I could with her, that it just started to feel right. And I made my own way with her, if that makes sense. No, definitely. She's very much like, uh, Mm -hmm. you don't need permission, like for anything, including working with her. She's like, so I think that that attitude definitely sounds like her, her voice for sure. Yeah. And what I kept thinking about while you were talking was you kept coming back to the word cunning. And I was thinking that, yeah, you know, there's lots of words I would use to describe you specifically. That's like, I think you're strong and I think you're intelligent, but specifically cunning is not something that I would associate uh, with you. But I think that that's a really important skill in life to have, actually. Yeah. And I feel like that's what she's been trying to teach me is that I don't have to like... I don't necessarily have to just cut my way through everything that sometimes my the fight is just being like thinking skillfully like about how you can get around things and like win the fight in other ways and because you you were using the word cunning now i keep thinking about you in terms of harry potter houses <laughs> so i've always been a gryffindor I, you are a gryffindor no like <laughs> here ranked you are a gryffindor Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin at the bottom, girl. <laughs> Slytherin at the bottom. The first time I took the Pottermore test, it put me in Slytherin, and I was like, what do I not know about myself? <laughs> I don't trust that test. <laughs> um, my patron gods are Nephthys and Anubis from the Egyptian pantheon. Um, I've worked with them since I was like in elementary school, basically. Um I think like a lot of kids, I went through a big Egypt phase and, um, you know, I, I learned all the hieroglyphs, like the ones that are the unilateral symbols, the ones that are like alphabet letters. Um, and I made all these little tiny shrines to all the gods and, um, I've just always felt like they were really present. Um, I've worked with some of the other ones like Bast and Sekhmet and Isis, um, but for whatever reason, I just, in thought, I, I work with him a lot. I tend to use the Greek names because that's what I learned. Um, but sometimes I do use their Egyptian names. They don't seem to care just because uh, most people call them by their Greek names in modern times. So they don't, they're not like, that's not how you say it. But uh, uh, I was thinking about, because I just recently got... Uh, like this last week um, tripled down on my uh, Nephthys study and worship um, which I can get into a little bit later but uh, I was thinking why I was drawn to her because there's very little information about her compared to the other Egyptian deities and in a lot of literature she tends to just be relegated to being like Isis's twin like who is Nephthys well she's like Isis but not (laughs) And I was like, how did I hone in on her with like such so little to go on? And I think that that's kind of part of it is that she's sort of this shadowier, more dark. I don't know. Uh, but she's sort of sort of the goth sister, I think. I think that appealed to me because she is very similar. To, I, they're not mirror images of each other. They're sort of two sides of the same coin. And then um, Anubis is a great god to work with because he's a psychopomp. Um, The other psychopomps I've worked with tend to be very friendly and helpful because that is like their role in life. But those are the two gods that I feel like are present a lot of the time. And when I speak to them, there's like this really strong sense of affection, this sort of almost parental sort of at times teasing but uh you know there's an affection there as opposed to just other deities where that because i work with a lot of them i'm a nerd i love to study stuff so there there are deities that i admire or want to emulate or who i aesthetically think are very interesting the way that they look or their symbols or their myths um but that's for me that's a little bit different because it's more of an affinity or an interest as opposed to feeling a like patron type connection 
um, we were talking before we started, uh, when we were brainstorming what we were going to talk about. And I mentioned, you know, as a kid, I was really, really into the, the Greek deities because, you know, everybody learns about them in school. And I think everybody's like probably has a, a working familiarity with the Olympians. And I always really, really grew up admiring Artemis and Athena because, you know, they're like strong, physically strong. They're smart. You know, they never got married. So they were always like really independent. And I found that very inspiring and I would call on them. But like I lately, I, I don't really work with them very frequently and even when I was a kid and I did, I may, I don't know that I felt like they were quite as present or that we had like necessarily a relationship in that way. So um, I'm kind of curious uh, to explore that kind of element of, of, of who is somebody that I just aesthetically find pleasing or have an affinity for versus have a connection with. I mean, I don't think that you have to have a connection with every deity that you want to work with. Cause we certainly work with a ton and I think it's really interesting and educational and uh, going to your point, Jay, like you don't need permission to approach or invoke or honor a deity um, that you've never worked with before. Um, there's certainly not like a, you have to be this tall to, to ride the ride. Um, but I would, I would say that there, there's a difference in, in that patron relationship. I have the same relationship as Scarlett does with Athena and Artemis and that when I was a kid same thing super inspired by them love that they never got married super strong and super smart totally into that but now like as an adult and as um, a witch who has really expanded my practice I don't feel them present really in anything that I do or a strong like sort of affinity honestly at this point in my practice I don't really think that I have a patron deity or any deities that I work with and have that sort of relationship with I mean I like when we do group rituals um I work with deities to a certain extent then but in my personal practice at home it's mostly ancestor spirits um kobolds, housewites, um, things like that. I don't really work with the deities that often anymore. For a while, I was working with Freya, and I probably would have considered her a patron deity of mine. But, and I think, I think that Freya kind of are, always knew this, that um, I don't think, I just don't think that I form relationships with the deities in that way. And I think that Freya always had this, like when I did work with her and when I did journey and talk to her, I think there was always that feeling where she kind of knew, not that I had one foot out the door, but she kind of always knew that I was like going to move on eventually. And um, just sort of like, uh, like looking back on it now, it's just kind of like a feeling that I had. But I found Freya, originally Freya and Frigg, um, when I was journeying at the very beginning, I would end up seeing Odin and Freya and Frigg quite often. And I think that that just has a lot to do with that I was specifically looking into Seether. And Freya is, I mean, invented Seether. She's the queen of that. So I think it makes a lot of sense that I would have found her and Odin being you know, Lord of the Runes and me wanting to work with runes, I think it made a lot of sense that I would interact with him. But at this point, I just, yeah, I don't really think that I have a patron deity and I don't really see myself getting one at the, like forming that relationship at this point. I mean, it might happen organically, but it's not something that I'm needing at this point in my practice or interested in. And I guess if it happens organically, uh, then that would be something, but I don't really see it happening. I think that I work with my ancestors so, and my like whites at my house so much that I don't really feel the need to uh, work with too many deities. Sometimes I work with Baba Yaga, but even then I don't see it as a, a patron deity situation. That's interesting about uh, Odin and Freya because it seems like 
it's interesting that you said that they kind of anticipated that you were kind of there as a student, which makes sense because in the role of teaching Seath and the runes, that is a hundred percent in their wheelhouse. And I think mm -hmm. that, so it sounds like they kind of took it on as being like, I'm going to teach you what I know. Um, and, you know, then you're going to take it in your practice as opposed to I am approaching this deity to be their priestess and worship mm -hmm. them, um, which is another thing. I mean, there's certainly people that do that, that um, take on the role, particularly with um, historical deities that we know a lot about their their real world practice that see themselves as modern day priests or priestesses that maintain shrines and dutifully do offerings and like are in this world to actively worship and feed these deities. Um, I don't feel like that's my relationship with my patron deity. I, I think that if I did feel that way, it would be very uncomfortable and I would not want to continue mm -hmm. doing that. Um, that's just not a relationship that I would enjoy with anyone or anything. I do think that deities become stronger or more present the more you think about them or interact with them. But I don't think mm -hmm. that, you know, they require my worship. No, I totally yeah, agree. So. And I have a question for you two, actually. Um, and I'll start with my answer to my question. I don't consider myself as worshiping anything. I don't worship my ancestors. I venerate them. And I don't worship my kobolds or my housewites. I venerate them and I w work with them. And I see it as a very equal relationship. And I think that when it becomes like a worship and not that you shouldn't worship, that's totally your choice. But I, I feel like when it becomes a relationship of like a deity and devotee or like when you start to worship someone, it, it creates a power dynamic that I'm not very comfortable with. So I'm just curious if y'all consider like that you worship anything. I'm going to say like, even just talking to y'all, I'm examining the relationship I had with I'd have with Sekhmet just because I'm like, maybe it wasn't really a patron relationship at all. And it was just an interest that I had. But I, I mean, I have an altar. Um, I, I give altar like uh, offerings um, for Sekhmet that I leave. Um, but it, it never felt the same until and I didn't really know what I was supposed to feel until I met the Morgan. And then that's when I was just like, oh, shit. But it, I don't see it as worshiping so much as it, it does feel like a teacher student relationship for me of her honing me into a weapon is what it feels like for me of that she's molding me um not that i'm like here to just worship her i'm just here to learn from her and uh appreciate what she has to give and be thankful for that but it's not like uh i i, I don't know i i'm weary of worship as well but th that might also be just my christian background <laughs> But that's just me and and i'm evolving every day too of like how i approach it just because i didn't realize what the relationship should feel like possibly and maybe there's nothing wrong with my relationship with Sekhmet. it just feels completely different and it is one that is there she does show up but she's more just kind of like hey cool you know I, it's yeah. just a lot different if that makes sense that's kind of her vibe though i mean that might just be like a personality difference but um, no, yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I don't really, I enjoy doing like rituals that are devotional where, especially when you're talking about historical deities where you can read off these beautiful hymns and poems and stuff that are these epic litanies of their names and invoking them and everything. I think that's really fun and beautiful and helps you to connect to them. But um, I would say that it's more that either it's their their guides or patrons or teachers or um, protectors or and especially with um, Nephthys and Anubis, it's very much a, affection. Like I I feel like there's an affection there. So yeah. Um, the other thing is because uh, I I maintain an altar of um, a posse of some Hindu goddesses. And um, I usually make an offering onto that altar every week. And I include um, 
some of my house spirits, the fox spirits and my familiar spirits. That's really more for me to be in a habit of setting aside, you know, a couple of minutes to check in with those spirits, um, verbally acknowledge them, um, which is a big thing for me to actually like get around, walk around a room, say a thing, pick up a thing, put it there. Um, but that's more for me to maintain that connection on my end than feeling like I need to do these things or they'll be mad at me or, you know, I mean, obviously it's the same as any kind of friendship. If you ignore someone or don't talk to them for a long time, it's gonna, you know, there's gonna create a distance there, but it's a little bit different than like, oh, I feel like I am now, I've, I've entered into this partnership and now I'm like on the hook to, to be constantly propitiating this deity and um and I, I mean i know there are people that claim to have that type of a relationship that kind of worries me i'm not saying that it's not yeah. real or that's not what those gods are asking for um but i just think that's an unhealthy dynamic to have with anybody even if they're a god so um th and then the other quick thing i was going to say about the hindu goddesses is that Part of that practice for those tantric goddesses in particular is very much about contemplating their forms and their names and their images and trying to identify with them or like see those parts in yourself. So it's less about calling on this force that is outside of yourself and begging for its mercy or or teachings or love or whatever and more like how do I recognize that in myself how do I act out how do I become these things that I admire or how do I understand these things that are are very big and, and hard to understand so to me that's that's very much like trying you're trying to become that deity in a way um, which is very different than seeing them as completely separate from yourself and needing to be deferred to and, and worshipped and um, that like uh, Lily was saying that there's like a power dynamic that's very imbalanced. Yeah, like I, I agree with that because I mean that's kind of the way I've chosen mine were ones that I kind of wanted to become more like because I didn't possess some of those things like Sekhmet. I'm not a, you know, I didn't have like that, that rage and fury and um, you know, like I mentioned, like I was attracted to her because of like my Catwoman background and everything like that. And I, something that attracts me to her is that she's like the sensual badass, like, and I want to be that even if I'm not, because some people are like, why do you like her? You're not like her. I'm like, I know, but it's something I admire and I want to try to take on some of those traits, even if not all of them. Um, I feel like with both Sekhmet and Morrigan, like, they have traits that I want to learn to encompass, like, in some parts of my life. Maybe not all, but at least some things that I can learn from, and it's just, it's a better relationship of trying to be like, I admire this and I want to be like this, you know, and how can that deity help me find these things in myself? I have a question for both of y'all, and I guess uh, I'll take Lily's lead and, and answer my own question before passing on to you guys. But so we keep talking about, oh, when I in my practice or when I work with them, like, let's get like a little more specific about what that means. Like for me, when I say that I'm working with a deity, it's usually like one of like three things. Either I'm doing a ritual, like usually with you guys, where it's written out and like we call on this deity or you know, um, we're using their imagery or um, some kind of tool or, or magical thing. And so we're, we're actually calling on them and we're like, oh, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. And usually you feel them show up. And it's more just to invite them as like kind of a witness or to lend their power. Um, but to me, usually those connections, like I definitely feel their presence. But one, it's in a group. And two, it's sort of just like, hey come on and see what we're doing. Um, the other would be like, you know, more meditations or journeys where for some people, if it's less imagery based, it would be like kind of like a prayer or something. For me, my journeys are very like um, images and thoughts. So um, they would show up and we would have like basically conversations and they would tell me stuff. And um, 
And then the last one is if they show up spontaneously, where I'm just sort of minding my biz and, you know, you just feel like some there's a presence there or you hear a word or something catches your eye and you see some sort of symbol or sign and, and you feel like they're present. Um, so that's sort of the way that I interact with them. Um, I actually don't have in my home shrines for Anubis or Nephthys. Um, I'd like to, I, I was thinking about trying to assemble some stuff, but I think part of it is just because I've been working with them for so long. Also, it's really hard to find like good images of Nephthys, but um, yeah, I, I don't feel like I need that physical icon to remind me about them or like have like a station in my house where I like interact with them because they're just always kind of around in contrast um my my altar that's got uh Kali and Bhairavi and uh Kurukula and Varahi and stuff like those are deities that I would like to work with more and like I said earlier, the the practice is very much about like visualizing their symbols and contemplating what each of these little minute details means and the different metaphors and, and layers of it and sort of picturing yourself as them. So having the physical icon there is a part of the practice. So that's a little bit different. But what about you guys? Like when you say in, you know, Lily, if you want to talk about your housewives or your ancestors, um, or Freya and Odin or whatever. So like when y'all say that you work with them, like what does that entail? Uh, well, for for me, when I work with them, it, it is it's kind of similar of, you know, sometimes I per I like I purposely seek her out like by journeying and things like that, especially when I'm seeking some advice or just, you know, needing some guidance from her. Um, or just needing to connect if I haven't felt her in a while. But really, she I feel like she approached, Morgan approaches me enough that I don't have to seek her out as much. But sometimes if I really want, like, no holding back truth, a journey is good. Uh, because she does not hold back. But uh, her, my altar for her is very small because I don't feel like she she doesn't, care as long as I'm do like doing the work. I know I keep saying that, but with her, that's what she's been driving into me is just like, learn your bite, learn to fight, like just, you know, bare your teeth, you know, hold your ground, like all these things that she's been driving into me. And that's, that's my altar to her is my actions, not something on my shelf. Like it should be my physical actions that she wants. And with Sekhmet, it was oh different. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with Sekhmet, it was that different. That is some powerful advice. <laughs> but that your altar is your actions. I love and, it. Yeah. And Sekhmet was different. It was like, she liked me to lavish her with like, you know, uh, like uh, <laughs> wine and beer and like spices. And I leave her gemstones and things like that, that I get from shows and things like that. And I leave those. And that was kind of the relationship I had with her. It's different. And I still have a relationship with her. I just, it's been kind of shifted and my priority has become the Morgan now. And, um, and, but I feel like I have more of something that I'm growing from with the Morrigan, as long as I'm putting my energy into it, that I'm getting more. I mean, Sekhmet loves like that. I'm like fighting and, uh, learning to fight and things like that. But hers is more like, cool, keep doing it. Like, it's not like the Morgan where it's like, do it. Like, I need this now. Like, I, you know, uh, it's the Morgan's just driving me to work on myself and her disappointments are never like you haven't been worshiping me. It's a, a disappointment of like, look at how much progress you made. Don't stop, you know, kind of when I do disappoint her, which is not often, but it sometimes I do like get busy and just not work on these things that she wants me to work on. So I just keep reminding myself, just, you know, keep acting on what she has taught you. And for me, that is how I offer something to her. I love that. Yeah, that's really powerful that whole idea your actions or your offering and you know for anybody else listening i mean the thing is is just learning like you can you can have these connections with a god or goddess without i know i've said it earlier but like for me it took me so long to find this kind of connection because i was hesitating um feeling like i didn't deserve it or 
hadn't earned it or that I wasn't well studied enough. And uh, I mean, she ripped me right out and was like, we're going to do this. Um, but sometimes, I mean, maybe that's what you just got to open yourself up to is just, you know, let them work with you. Even if you're, you think you're not ready, you know, you got to open yourself up to it. Yeah. Especially for those deities that are very much about action or learning or teaching. They just want to, they want to hit the ground running. So you don't need to ask their permission. (laughs) I think that that's, that's probably true of most, most things in life, but, um, I think that that, you you pick two deities that are probably really good for that particular lesson. Well, when I say that I work with, so basically what Scarlett said, you know, when we're all together and we're doing a a ritual, you know, I work with uh, deities then, I tend to be drawn to like Scotty comes up quite often, Um, Baba Yaga comes up. So in that sense, like exactly what Scarlett said, also, same thing Scarlett said with the, the journeying and meditation and trance work. And for me, it's not so much having when I journey and I end up speaking to sometimes the, the Norns or sometimes not as much recently Odin or, or Freya. It's not in so much like a conversation, but it's just like suddenly knowing things where like they're there and I'm like, and I suddenly understand or it suddenly hits me or I suddenly, it suddenly dawns on me something that I had been needing or thinking about or didn't even realize that I needed. And um, so when I say that I was like journeying and spoke to them, that's kind of how it ends up happening for me with my um, ancestors and with my whites. So with my ancestors, some of them it's like it's a very specific intimate sort of relationship where like when i'm cooking i usually just kind of talk to my great grandma and i just kind of talk to her and then i just kind of feel her that she's there and she's not necessarily like she's talking i don't hear her as a voice but i know she's there and um like there have been times like one time i left um a sauce on the stove and i thought i had it low enough i did not i was laying on the couch and i was like it's fine but then i suddenly had this feeling like it is not fine the sauce is not fine and i knew that was grandma and i was like oh my god the sauce is not fine and i jumped off the couch and i went in there the sauce was not good it was burnt the sauce was not fine so it's like working with in that sense and then also when because when i do when i have like rituals or things like that at home by myself it's much less structured than what we do um together so what i end up doing is i just end up which i think i've talked about before just banging on the walls and banging on the windows and just like calling the whites to me and like the house spirits and um, ancestor spirits to me and then very specifically sort of asking what I want um, or what I need and um, then giving them something in return. I have a mask that I crafted that I made and crafted it. I rendered a mask Um, (laughs) and I it's hung up above the front door of the house and I have like a little incense and a little salt and offerings that I put underneath it to kind of represent the house and the house spirits and the land whites there. And then, um, you know, I used to have a specific altar beside my bed, but now really the whole house has become an altar because I have the altars um, of things by my bed. I love that. That's so cute. (laughs) I have, um, you know, above the fireplace, I have like just like the pictures and the offerings like they end up just all over the house leaving like I leave flowers and offerings at the front door um you know I leave salt all around the perimeter of the house as both like an offering and sort of uh also like a warding but I feel like especially the more that I just hang photos of like my ancestors up the more that I just kind of make little things to represent the house spirits like the masks and I have some little um German incense burners that are these little I forget the word for them but they're these little dudes basically they're pipe smokers and so the incense is inside of them it's a cone incense you put inside of them and then it looks like they're smoking out of the pipe but um 
so I, some of them were my grandma's and um so i think of those as like these little kobolds and i kind of this smoke is just kind of like this offering for them as well so the more that i just like have these things all over the house the more and more the feels like the whole house is just the altar i have a, a quick sort of question comment about that um in terms of having things like physical things you associate with with either spirits or deities or whatever um my concern, and this might be a little paranoid, but I'm like, I don't want to become dependent on that thing or become superstitious about that thing so that if something happens to it or I lose it or it breaks, then I'm like, oh, my God, the the connection is ruined. So I'm totally on board with your idea of just sort of these things that are symbols or like little touch points or like mm -hmm. little ways that you can interact with them. And it's not that the kobolds live in these pipes or that you need to be lighting the incense, but that's like a little way that you create a moment in the physical world, almost mm -hmm. as, as a, as a prop for your benefit. Um, yeah. Then something for them. And I find that certain spirits and it depends on what kind they are. Um, but they do enjoy being given like a little space or a little corner or like, like mm -hmm. a little house or something that they, that it helps them be rooted in the physical world, but they don't mm -hmm. need it. They just enjoy it. And if you had to replace it or move it or something, you know, they might be a little cranky or out of sorts about it, but, um, particularly like kind of housewife type deities, um, that kind of have more human, uh, old, old cranky, uh, sort of personalities. But, but my mm -hmm. point is that, that I, I worry about getting attached to things and then we're, I, and accidentally starting to believe that the thing is the, has the power as opposed to the deity that I have connected to that thing. So mm -hmm. that's definitely something that I think up about in my practice. No, I think that that's a totally valid concern. I don't think you should ever get like, I don't think anyone should ever get that attached to objects just like in general, because it's all fleeting. But um, in the instances for me, when things have like broken that I was using for uh, that purpose, that symbolic purpose, it's to me, it's just kind of been like, oh, well, I guess we were done with this. Yeah. Or I guess yeah. it was ready to move on or it's time for something new, you know, and I don't ever really see it. I've never really seen it as like a bad sign or anything like, oh, no, somebody's mad or anything like that. I just see it as a, oh, well, we're, we're done with this now or, you know, or it's like good luck, you know, like when you break the plate. Yeah. Opa. <laughs> yeah, exa yeah, exactly. Like I bought this. Um, gosh, the only time I've been to Pantheacon, I bought this um, beautiful uh, book. What is it? Serpent Songs. Yeah. Because Sarah Ann Lawless was in it, and it was it's just like this beautiful printing. I got home, and I spilled coffee on it. And there's this big coffee stain on this beautiful book. And I had a moment where I got really upset. And then I was like, well, I guess the book needed an offering of coffee. And this is just this is just what it needed. The book was thirsty. Well, I, it was, I set my Hecate on on fire. <laughs> I posted a picture in the Uncoven Facebook group. So this is kind of related to our discussion. So uh, let me ramble for a second. But so when the quarantine started, I decided coincidentally it was going to be eight days out from the new moon. And so the Hecatean has several sections, but the first one is sort of sets you on this path to working with uh, Hecate. And so and I'm going to keep switching back and forth between saying Hecate and Hecate. Um, I <laughs> don't know why I can't settle on one. But anyway, so it's eight different rituals and you have to do them on separate nights. And basically each one is uh, you sit down and you draw this sigil that uh, the author has designed and you kind of contemplate its meaning. And then you sort of go on like a little mini sort of journey pathwork where you imagine you're at a crossroads and um, and then there's a, a really beautiful prayer or chant or something that is written that you read aloud, which is very important. And um, and then you kind of just sit quietly if you have any impressions. If you don't, that's totally fine. Um, actually being comfortable in that silence is a challenge for a lot of people. And then there's also a recommended reading that's like, you know, something from the, the Homeric hymns or 
the Greek magical papyri or something, something that's you can find online that's free. And um, each one sort of builds up. So like uh, the first one's like have a white candle and you end up getting to three. And then uh, and then you you introduce myrrh incense into the mix. And then uh, oh, and you burn the sigil at the end of every one. And so then the seventh night you consecrate uh, six stones, three dark ones and three light ones to be an oracle where you, you draw a stone out of a bag and if it's dark it means yes and if it's light it means no and then on the eighth night you draw one and uh, you ask permission to do the ninth ritual which is like an initiation so um, you know I started doing all the rituals and they're very beautiful they're very well written and you know the thing of drawing a sigil and burning it is like super witchy and and I, I really enjoyed like the ritual of it. There's like, you know, you have to wash your hands three times before you start and dust it with cinnamon. And, you know, like it, it just feels very witchy. And, and the thing that I will say about this book in particular is that kind of magic for me, because my practice is very like ecstatic and like hedge writing. And it's very much about feeling having impressions and feelings in the moment, which sometimes or a lot of the time is not my experience of this book's rituals it's more like you are winding something up and setting it in motion and it sort of unfolds at its own pace so in the moment you might not have like weird woo woo feelings or impressions but like as it gains momentum think like weirdness starts being afoot so like one of the nights i was about to so uh, it calls for burning myrrh and so I, at first I like totally thought that I had myrrh but um, I couldn't find it so then I picked some out of uh, an, a blend that I had that had myrrh in it <laughs> and so then I got my little I had this little cute like ramekin with like a little metal grate on it to burn um, a charcoal and I got it all set up and I'm ready to go and there was like a so I I light it and it's smoldering and then I see something kind of like moving and I'm like, ooh, trippy. And I was like, no, wait, something actually. So there was a tiny little beetle that was like kind of grayish green with white spots, like tiny, like a quarter of the size of like a pencil eraser. What? I don't know. Where did it come from? <laughs> How was it not on fire? <laughs> but like, yeah, weird, weird stuff like that. And then on one of the nights, um... I was getting ready to do the thing and my husband walked in. I was like, I'm about to do witchcraft in here. And <laughs> normally he's just like, okay, cool. You know, like if he's like, I'm about to do Dungeons and Dragons in here. I'm like, neato. Um, not that I'm not interested, but you know, we're kind of like, okay, well that's your thing. And he was like, oh, well what kind of witchcraft? Cause normally he, I mean, it's not that he doesn't care, but he's like, okay, I'll, I'll leave you to it. But he was like, what is it? And I was like, oh, you know, witchcraft, I'm going to say a thing and then draw a thing and burn a thing and he's like no 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 but like for what purpose like what is the... and um i was like i don't know i guess to to dedicate myself to hecate and he was like okay <laughs> and then that ritual was about um calling on one of her aspects and like so you have to in, in the ritual contemplate like what it is you are seeking from hecate and which aspect you are wanting to like invoke or or be initiated into so it like literally asks you like what is your purpose <laughs> so like weird oh. shit like that keeps happening um i did set the book on fire <laughs> when oh, i was yeah. consecrating the stones like uh, i accidentally like touched it to the candle it's not super flammable so that was good um and actually the burning book smelled great um, so it's just got this brown mark on the back of it. It's fine. It didn't, it didn't like go up, <laughs> but, uh, so then on the, the last night I did the, the Oracle and I, I kind of was like, oh, of course, obviously Hecate is going to want me to do this initiation ritual. And I pulled out the first stone. Also keep in mind that they weren't perfectly symmetrical, like uniform stones. So I felt actually pretty confident in my ability to cheat. <laughs> and draw like know which stones were the yes stones pull one out nope it's a no <laughs> and i was like Haha. totally pulled a second one which isn't allowed 
Also a no. Pull the third one. Also no. So triple no <laughs> from the triple goddess. And I was like, oh man, what? Oh. I've been I've been posting these pictures on the social media, and I really like you know. So I like do a journey, and immediately I he- start hearing dogs barking, which is a th- thing with Hecate. It's like her signature. But I've actually never heard dogs barking when the millions of times I've worked with Hecate, even though I have two dogs and there are lots of dogs in the neighborhood. Um, immediately hear dogs barking. My dog is like attentive to them, attentive to them, but like actually doesn't bark back, which is what he usually does. So he was like, oh, those are, those are otherworldly dogs. And, um, so Hecate shows up and I'm like, what the heck? Don't you want me to do your ritual? And she was like, listen, you're a witch. I'll always be with you. And, but your heart belongs to someone else and Nephthys and Anubis show up. Oh. And so the, th- so backstory before I even started, cause I had read through the book and started some of the rituals, but this was the first time I was actually going to do it in order and everything. And I was like, Oh, you know, what would be great is while I'm doing this to like get inspired with every step and like make a version for Nephthys as I'm working through this and use it as an inspiration. So Hecate is like, yeah, I know what you're up to. <laughs> like you can't be doing the Hecate book and be like, I'm going to make this be about Nephthys. So she was like, <laughs> so anyway, basically like she wasn't mad, but she was like, you can go ahead and do the other rituals in the book and still work with the book. You just don't do the initiation dedication one. She's like, you don't have to be dedicated to me to, to work with me or to do some of these other spells and stuff. But this is not your path to be my priestess or to be devoted to me. You've already mm-hmm. got, you know, Nephthys and, and Anubis and, and uh, so that's why I said earlier that this last week I've been like, just devouring all kinds of like uh egyptian stuff and like relearning hieroglyphs and um you know doing my normal thing of making tons and tons of lists and uh so i've been working on that so i'm gonna work on a a a grimoire that's gonna be a series of initiations uh devoted to nephthys Ooh. Nice. <gasps> oh that's mm-hmm. awesome so yeah wow very cool can't wait to see that so sometimes you work with deities and they're like girl i mean you can do what you mm-hmm. want no. but i know that mm-hmm. that this other deity is your home girl and you're not fooling anybody <laughs> deliverance mm-hmm. and truths yeah yep three no's <laughs> That's hilarious. So I don't work with the Morrigan at all. In fact, I don't really work with any Celtic deities at all uh, for the most part. Kukulon a little bit, ironically enough, but the only uh, god or goddess who has ever come to me in a dream was the Morrigan. And I think I've talked to y'all about this before, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but when I was pregnant with um, my daughters, I had a dream and the Morrigan came to me and I won't really describe the, the dream in detail, but during it, she was talking and I knew when it was happening that she wasn't talking to me, that she was talking to my daughters. And so I don't know if I'll ever, I mean, maybe I'll tell them about this one day, but I just feel like it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out because I really got the very strong sense in my dream that the Morrigan, when she came to not really even me, I was just there when she came that she was calling out specifically to them. So I'm just really curious as they grow up to see what that's going to mean. If that's like a call that they're going to answer or if it's a call that they're not going to answer. Interesting. Have you written about it in your Mm. like grimoire book of shadows? Like, not yet when it happened i wrote it down so and i remember the dream very vividly um and uh but i am gonna write it in my family grimoire yes yeah because i think that'd be really cool for them them. to read your experience like the details of that 
Yeah, it's just very striking because, like I said, the Morgan hasn't come to me since. Not anybody who I feel a particular... Like, I mean, I think she's cool. Don't get me wrong. But not anyone I feel like a particular call to. And she's the only deity that has ever come to me in a dream. And anyways, to your point about how intense she is. Yes. She's super intense. Maybe this means I'm going to teach them jujitsu someday. Yes, you will. They'll be little warrior goddesses. I keep saying yes. that you guys like va- vacation Bible study sounds dorky as hell. So if we did like vacation witch study for the chillins with you, oh, we got an art what? teacher. Yes. We got someone else that's really crafty that knows all this cool gardening stuff and crafty stuff and fighting stuff. Like it would be off the chain. I would go as an adult and be like, let's let's run around in the yard and do vacation witch school. We should do an adult witch school not even it wouldn't even be witch school it would just be like us hanging out and camping <laughs> yeah it could just be fun stuff which we kind of tried to do not the camping but the we tried to have our our ritual that we were gonna have but now it's gonna have to be canceled because of the social distancing not necessarily yeah. cancel just postpone postpone until a safer well, date postponed, yeah postponed until yeah, it's safer to meet up with people. Um, I was going to ask you guys, and I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have an answer, but um, are there any things that you've happened upon or that are unverified personal no- uh, gnosis, which basically means things that a deity told to you but cannot be, that's not in the lore, you know, is not historical, that any of mm-hmm. the spirits or deities that you work with um, that they like? Like, for example, I find that the Egyptian deities... Like you were saying with segment, like they like things, they like trinkets, because obviously, mm-hmm. like you think of of the archaeology, it's super opulent. But uh, so they like they they love kaifi, which is the ancient Egyptian incense, um, which smells great. I love it too. So done and done. Um, you know they they like beer and wine, um, but they also like junk food and stuff because they like didn't hmm. get it. So when hmm. we were at Pantheacon, they did a really cute ritual and they offered um, them Pepsi. But they they love it because it's like not something that they got to have, and they like they like Cheetos and things like that because you know they they don't normally get it. So um, and I was reading this thing about um, Thoth. Uh, he like he likes sweets and stuff and fruits, and someone said that they give him fig newtons because that's uh, fig newtons oh. are actually pretty similar to like you know uh, Mediterranean desserts, you know, with yeah. that are fig based, mm-hmm. um, and so. I just thought that that was freaking adorable and hilarious. That is hilarious. So, yeah, they definitely like that. Oh, and then my other favorite thing is one time um, I called on Anubis and he was listening to Soul Kitchen by The Doors. And I was like, you listen to The Doors? And he's like, yeah, I'm the opener of waves. That's like what I do. And then, you know, he's like the god of embalming. So he's like in his soul kitchen. But I think that that may be particular to Egyptian gods, probably Norse ones too, maybe some Greek gods, because they're they're such a part of pop culture that they're kind of plugged mm-hmm. into that kind of stuff. Um, whereas more obscure gods or gods that that like, because even people that aren't pagan know all these deities and know their stories and know yeah. their names. You know, if you read comics, you can read comics about them and stuff. So like. Oh yeah, but um, those are those are some funny uh, things that they like. Yeah, with Sekma, it's been like like you mentioned, like beer, wine, uh, spices, um, and I've given like I've set some jewelry there before too. That's not Egyptian jewelry; like it's just shiny things that she likes um, that I felt that she wanted that I've left on the altar for her. Really, that's about it. Because Morgan, like I said, it's like. It's more of a physical relationship that I have with her in a way of just like of the things that I do. So I might ask her, but I don't I, I don't know. It's kind of that teacher student relationship, too. So I almost feel like I'm like, if she wants to, she'll present it. But yeah, I think that's an interesting concept, too, of like things like non-traditional things. Um, but I was gonna say, are there any deities or spirits that you're interested in maybe working with more that you... Or have kind of felt a call to work with, but haven't yet, or... Lily, you? No, yeah, I was thinking, I, you know, at this point, no. But I think that there's just so much else um, 
going on in my life, being a mom and things like that, that it hasn't, that I, I haven't even been thinking about it or ha- I haven't been open to the, the possibility of seeking out or being interested in uh, anything outside of my practice right now. Hmm. I think for me, like right now, I'm still fully in it of like working with the Morgan because I mean, that was uh, a year ago. So I'm still pretty fresh of working with her. I mean, before uh, I discovered that I had contemplated, it was kind of that thing of like trying, like I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like. And like, I thought about like, I don't know, some kind of goddess like Demeter or something like that because of my work in my garden. And I thought that would, but now I look back and I'm like, nope, nope, this is right. What I'm doing with the Morgan is right. Um, And I don't know if I really need the help in the garden. (laughs) Uh, I'm almost like, maybe that's too much, too much. Like my garden is like overpowering as it is. Uh, So maybe, I don't know. It's something I've considered, but I, I never really felt anything that felt right if that makes sense of like of just Mm -hmm. dipping my toes in and then being like nope nope that's i'm like i don't know uh goldilocks with like goddesses like trying to figure out nope that's not and then the morgan just came up to me and was like no this is this is what's gonna fucking happen so (laughs) yeah how about you scarlet like the, the longer i go along um the more that the deities that i'm interested in or already work with start to kind of form a continuum or a current. So I've always worked with Nephthys mm-hmm. and she's sort of related to, to Isis. And um, and I've also always, ever since I was like, I had to do a report on Babylon when I was in sixth grade. And I read um, the hymns of, of Anana and they're very sexy and kind of blew my mind. But so I've always been very interested in Anana and Ereshkigal. And they're very similar as well um, to the the twin sister dynamic of one being dark and one being light um, with Nephthys and Isis. And um, I've always worked with them. And at Pantheacon, we were doing channeling roulette and I channeled Areshkigal. And I've, oh, I've worked with her and she's spoken to me before, but um, not a lot. And channeling her was great. I really love her energy. And she seemed like really receptive to working with me and so I definitely want to explore that more and in fact when I was starting the Hectan and I was thinking about oh I could like you know generate a parallel practice for Nephthys I was thinking about Ereshkigal too maybe but um, I know a lot less about her so it involved a lot more research and stuff but but in a way they're very much on a continuum of deities that are very similar and um, I, I find that the deities I'm interested in are kind of, I mean, either historically were worshipped together or in parallel or, you know, as different cultures combined were associated with one another or were seen as being versions of each other. Um, I'm also interested in Babylon, um, who, again, is uh, has a lot of crossover with Inanna, um, you know, being a Babylonian goddess, a lot of the same imagery. Combined with some other, like, Book of Revelations stuff and some other UPG from various sorcerers. But, um, so, again, sort of a, de- a modern deity that uh, is is of, a, of the same current of Inanna Ishtar. It seems like, even though I'm, like, adding characters to my repertoire, they're kind of more, they're getting closer and closer. Like, I'm noticing more and more connections between them. So it's actually getting smaller and smaller, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, so we started at the top about just what are patron deities. Do you need one? And I'm going to say, no, you don't need one. So if you were listening to this and you feel super left out, you do not need one. Do you guys Mm -hmm. agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, And, you know, is it forever? Can you switch? I would say, yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of yeah. grown out of, or not grown out of, that sounds very patronizing, but, you know, like you, you move apart just the way you do with friends and people and things like that. And I would say also, which is something I try to keep in mind, like, I feel like these deities are real to me, but I also kind of sometimes work with them as aspects of myself or of my psyche. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're agnostic or atheist, you can still take some of these practices and see them more as 
an archetype or something that you're trying to like a part of your subconscious or a part of your personality that you'd like to enhance or, or work with or examine. So that a lot of these relationships or deities you can work with without necessarily having a definite theistic belief in the reality of divine forces. Um, so that's another way to approach it too. Well, I think that was a good talk. Yeah. This discussed a lot, got a lot done. Yeah. Patron deities. Do it or don't do mm, it. Yeah. It's up to you. Do it do it or don't do it. Or it's up to them. It go. could be up to them. Who knows? <laughs> you know it's a two way street. So as my dad used to always say, that was one of his favorite things to say. Something was a two way street. Your relationship with your patron deity is a two way street. Yeah. So takes two to tango. For sure. Thank you for being here with us on this magical journey, all you listeners. Stay don't at home, to, wash your hands. Yeah, yes. don't forget to stay at home, wash your hands, don't go out. But things that you can do from the comfort of your own home, follow us on Instagram at hexratedwitches. Go to our website, hexratedpodcast.com. Email us at hexratedpodcast at gmail.com. Join the uh, Hexrated Uncoven, our lovely little Facebook group. Am I missing something? No. I think you nailed it. And that was a great segue. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tip my hat to you. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, if that's it. Hocus, hocus pocus. Hocus pocus. Bitches. Hocus pocus. <laughs> <laughs> Witches, bitches. <laughs>